0: ready to worship the Lord but before we get into worship I would like to have everybody
1: that's in the entrance come on over because I know you guys can hear my voice all right all right so those that can hear my voice let's bring it in because it's time it's God time it's worship time there's the word time amen all right let's bring it in if we can please stand up so get ready to worship this morning here thank you guys for coming. God's gonna do amazing things this morning, man. I would like to introduce you to um, the person's gonna bring us a testimony before we start worship. Kate, here she comes. All right, let's give
0: it, let's give it a hand for Kate here.
2: Good morning, everyone. Um, those who believe and agree with me that the God, our God. The God we serve is a miracle-working God. Say amen. 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 Hallelujah. Amen. My name is Kay. I'm one of the 201 discipleship um, students here in our church. Um, I've been through so much battle in my life. I think I'm not the only one, but I think all of us. But mine, um, I have been through so much, like experiencing seven major surgeries. Like, um, But one of the miracle one Remarkable one was When I had my um, Heart valve replacement um, After a week Of uh, recovery From the uh, dangers When I was brought to the regular room And then there People are coming and take pictures of me And then with a team of experts And then have interviewed me Because I was the One of the patient. We are two of us Who survived the um, I mean one did not make it I was the one who survived so this team of experts have them me interviewed and they were being uploaded by the colleagues because because of this high-tech technology I mean the technology that I was the one being tested then um, after that but suddenly I was having bleeding bleeding that um, the doctors and all those the hospital doesn't know what happened and what's going on and it's unstoppable and then they come up to the uh, idea that they were going to do the surgery again and I was very like very thin and very weak and I have I am skin and bone like too much too much pain in me and now they'll do it again And in the that night I was praying and then at that morning They brought me to the surgery room and then they laid me down there before they started and everything. Um, They had me to the echo to see that where's the blood's going and how it, you know. But when they found it, the doctor asked me, what did you do last night? And I said, me, I was just praying and reading the Bible. And he said, God answered your prayer. And all these seven doctors who are not sleeping the whole night trying to, um, you know, analyze what's going on. They were like shock, and everybody was stopped Then because the, the surgery will not go on. Then they came back to the room. And then, yeah, that night, the Bible, God showed me this verse from Isaiah 55, 55.3. But he was pursed for our transgressions he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wound we are healed. Amen. That night, God told me to lay hands on the one that is bleeding and just believe, because God will do something special. He don't. He want to take back the glory, everything for His glory, not to any man. And so, let's today let's continue to worship and. Let's pray and give God all the glory that He deserves. Amen. Father God, we thank you this morning. We give you honor, we give you praises for what you have done in our lives. Thank you for you are a working miracle God. Thank you for the lives that you change and you touch. Whatever battle that we are facing right now, God, there's nothing, nothing impossible. our God we serve is able. God, you deserve our worship. You deserve our praises. You deserve all the highest glory and honor. Amen.
3: Hallelujah. Come on, if you just are thankful for that testimony, come on. I want you to put your hands up in the air. Come on, say thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Man, when he was giving that testimony, man, I felt a release of healing in this place. Come on, if there's somebody that needs a healing in their body, come on, raise those hands right now. Come on, say, God, I receive the healing, God by your stripes because of the cross, Lord, you came and Lord, you feel, oh God, you're healing this morning. Come on, if you need really to receive a healing in your body, come on, right now, I want you to put your hands up or place your hand on that spot of your body that needs healing. Come on, Come on, the Holy Ghost is here in this place. Come on, you're here, Lord. We believe in your healing power, God, this morning you love Jesus your love never fails and never gives up never run
4: It never gives up, it never runs out on me Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me Never out on me. Your love, Jesus. your love. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out, out on me. Morning, your, your love never fails. Jesus, it never gives up. It never runs me. Come on to the Lord this morning. Your love never fails. Jesus gives up. It never runs, runs out, out on me. me.
3: remains, Lord. One thing your love, Jesus, Say it one more time.
4: One thing remains, Lord. One, one thing remains. Your, your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Your love never fails. It never gives up. It never runs out on me. Never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love. Jesus, come on, you sing it out your love. Say your, your love, love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up. It never runs on, out on, on me. Come on, if you believe I will with us. Your love never Raise fails, your hands it never gives say, up runs out on me. never has, it never will, it never has, and it never will. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on me. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out. That's the truth this morning. Your love never fails, it never gives up, it never runs out on. me. Raise up a shout
3: to the Lord this morning, Jesus. We thank you for your awesome love, we thank you for your faithfulness, for your goodness. Lord, there's no one like you, Jesus. There's no one like you, God. You're good, Lord. You are good, Lord. You are good, Jesus. Can you just tell him how awesome he is in this place, church? Come on, lift up the name of the Lord this morning. Jesus. You and Jesus. I want you to come up to the altar and today's communion day and when we take communion we remember what God did on that cross for us we remember what Jesus did and what he did is he took our sicknesses on that cross he took our sicknesses our diseases on that cross he took our sins on that cross he took the burdens of our lives on that cross the, the hurts of our past the hurts of our hearts on that cross in your body right now man as you're standing at this altar it's not in the song it's not in um, what we're um, what we can physically do right now but it's the holy spirit right now that wants to touch and bring wholeness and healing so right now father god we just lift up oh god these hearts to these these um sisters to you at this altar right now god we ask for your healing power god if there's some of you man that were were a little scared to come up man if, if that's you come on you still have a chance to come up man and just receive healing over your body healing over your mind right now come on Jesus Holy Ghost we just want you to touch in this room Lord your love never fails God your love never fails you demonstrated that love on that cross Jesus 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 come on healing through and through Lord healing through and through Jesus Blood, God, your blood is enough, Jesus. Oh, oh, your love, your spirit, your spirit. Come on, if you're in the stand right now, just reach out your hands right now towards these, these women right now. Say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, touch. Holy Spirit, touch. We ask for the fire of the Holy Spirit to touch your body right now. Shoot out. We feel the healing of your spirit right now, God. Come on. Align what needs to be aligned in our bodies right now in the name of Jesus. Today's the last day we're going to be sick, Lord. Today's the last day of pain. Come on, today's the last day of medication. Come on. You are able, Lord. You are able, Jesus. Shokoro, we believe. We believe, Lord. Come on, we believe in your power this morning. Hallelujah. God, we don't want to overthink who you are, God. We just want to believe, Lord. We stand in faith, oh God. We know that you're here, Jesus. God, we pursue you this morning. Hallelujah. Come on, if those words for you, come on. Just say, Lord, I receive that right now, God. I receive that in this place.
0: place. this place God is here we don't have to beg him to come he's already here in this place and some of you are feeling the Lord touch your heart right now holding nothing back no tricks up our sleeve just you and the Lord right now would you just take the next 30 seconds and say God search my heart God, I don't want to come here because the music is good. I don't want to come here because it's the right thing to do. I come here for you. God, search my heart. Be seated here in the house of the Lord I want to before the communion is passed out, I want to I want to share with you a little bit about this precious gospel about Jesus Christ and if you can with me can you open up your bibles to Luke 5:27 through 32 today we're going to take communion but before we do I want to tell you about this Jesus amen because I believe communion, the Bible talks about it, that we should take it in remembrance of Jesus. So before we do that, let's read about this Jesus and let our hearts grow more in love. Today, if you're in this place, it's your first time, or maybe you're a Christian and, and you've been coming to church, I want to just share something with you. And it, it is found in this passage, Luke 5, 27 through 32. If you're there, you're there. If not, we have it up on the screen. And it goes like this. After this... Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting in his tax booth. And Jesus said, He said, follow me. Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything and followed him. But the Pharisees and the teachers of the law who belonged to their sect complained to his disciples, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Then Jesus answered them, it is not the wealthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Today I want to talk about that. I want to talk about repentance. And and if you know anything about this story, about the culture, what's happening right here, tax collectors in our days are like thugs. All right? They are like the the thieves. And every time you see a tax collector, you know, hey, 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 this guy's up to no good. And that's how they were known, not to other people, but to their own people. They're these thugs. Here, are these thieves, they come to take for us. They come to do Rome's uh, bidding. They come to steal from us. And the tax collector was supposed to take the tax from the Israelites. But what they would end up doing, they will take above and beyond what was required. And so they always cheated the people. And so here it is, Jesus, the Son of God, comes up to Levi. Comes up to his tax booth and he says this, I love this. Jesus doesn't give him a whole bunch of things, 100 reasons why he's God. He comes up, looks him right in the eyes, he says, follow me. What? Man, Jesus, I just don't know what to do in my life. I, I don't know if you want me to do this. He says, follow me. And I love this, Levi got up. He got up and he left everything. He got up. You see, Levi didn't say, hey, Jesus, that's cool. I'm on board, but I'm going to follow you, but I'm going to stay here. You know, he got up. It was a physical action, and Levi had determined in his mind that what he has is better than what I have right now. Better than what I can ever have. And these tax collectors, you see, they had a lot because they stole from the people. So he had the wealth. He determined in his mind that Jesus has something better than me. And he keep on going down, and it says, you know, these religious people, they say, why do you eat with sinners? See, I love the church because the church is not for people who got it right. The church is not for people who can pray the loudest or sing the best. Jesus, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Isn't that weird? You're God. Why do you, what's going on? I don't get it. But Jesus answered them. It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And repentance is seeing your sin the way God sees it. It isn't brushing it off to the side and say, I'll get to that later. Or it's not as bad as other people. It is a heartfelt sorrow culminating leading to change repentance is change it's change it's the totality of who i am my mind my will and emotions everything about me changes happened to levi that's where repentance is he got up and he left everything he left everything let me ask you today it's your first time here Or maybe you come to church quite often, or maybe you're a Christian and you love and you profess Jesus Christ and Lord and Savior, but there's sin in your life. You know who you are. And most importantly, God knows. God knows. And He calls you to repentance. He calls you to repentance. He calls you to change. Because what He has... Is a whole lot better than what you have. (laughs) It is a whole lot better than what you have. No, I just don't want people to know my business. I'm going to feel better if I stand up or if I pray. I I just can't let them know what he has to offer you is better than that. Because what he offers you is life. And life abundantly. Amen. All across this place, would you stand to your feet for me, please? As my ushers prepare to pass out the communion, I want to pray before we do so. And, and if, because everybody, would you just please just close your eyes with me in this place. And if you're saying to yourself, man, I, I am, I'm in sin and I need Jesus. I haven't left everything to follow him. It's your first time you want to make a decision to accept Jesus into your life. Right now, I want to pray for you before we take this communion. Father, I pray in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And who there is salvation, and who there is life. Father, we pray for every heart today, Lord. The Father, we pray for the backslide of the secret, uh, innocent Christian. Father, those who need you, Lord, that you pull them out of death and into life. We pray for the revelation of your son, Jesus Christ, and God, their power and your authority to come into their life and transform them. Break the chains off, Lord. Only you can, Jesus. In your precious son's name we pray amen we're going to prepare to take communion and and the ushers are passing them out and as we do the bible talks about this in luke twenty-two, fourteen 14 to 20 and and when we take this we don't just take it because you know it's a little sunday snack it's not to just get your your palate wet and just make you feel good this is a time where we remember jesus christ Lord and Savior, God, coming down to earth, being beaten, bruised, and hung on a cross for our sins and our transgressions. And He said, Do this in remembrance of me. Jesus said that. So think about it right now. Jesus said, Do this as you remember me. So when you do this, Do it with the right heart. If there's things you need to repent of, don't just take it lightly and say, hey, you know what, just another Sunday, I'm going to take communion and feel good about myself. No, Jesus, I come to you, Lord. I thank you for the cross. As the band begins to play a song, I want you guys, the next few minutes, spend time with Jesus as you do this in remembrance of him. You can partake of the elements as you feel led.
3: I desire Jesus, precious lamb, who ransomed me. Upon the cross, he took my sin.
0: you're done you can you can join us in worship Closing of this time, could you stand to your feet and join us in worship? He
4: alone deserves our oh, highest, highest praise, and forever He will
3: reign. He is worthy of
0: all oh. honor. Sing all glory to Your oh, name. I desire Jesus Just give the Lord a hand clap of praise in this place. If you've been set free, come on, we give you praise, oh Lord. You're so worthy, God. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen. As as you remain standing, we're going to at this time dismiss the children. So all the children you can. Go ahead, and we have leaders in the back that love Jesus and, you know, will pour into the children. Also, at this time, we're going to prepare to confess our our creed here. But if you're in this place and you say, man, man, that was me. I know something happened back there. It wasn't just the goosebumps and not just the weather. It's it's God. We have leaders here. We have prayer leaders here that want to pray with you that want to confirm, that want to go over and just want to say, hey, amen, more and more, Jesus. If you need to repent from sin, if you're saying, man, I just don't know how to do it, what about this? They want to pray for you, amen? So let's prepare to confess our creed on the count of three, one, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The who so loved the world, The son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection. And the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. I believe in the perfect holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the united church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles, prophets, elders, and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen, amen. Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise. We're gonna fellowship, if you need prayer, please see Chris and Monique at this time.
5: Amen. Amen. Welcome to Metro Praise International. It's so good to see everybody here this morning. My name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. And we are so excited that you decided to come and join and gather with us as we praise the Lord. How many of you guys were excited to praise Jesus with us this morning? Amen. A powerful, powerful time in God's presence. He is so faithful. Um, our Sundays here are every Sundays at 10 a.m. And we also have Fridays for our youth. Our teenagers, 11 to 18, elevate every Fridays at 7 p.m. If you know any teenagers, please invite them, bring them on by. They have an awesome time uh, fellowshipping and just getting to know Jesus. Our vision here is loving God and loving people. It is very simple. It is the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us on this earth to live by. And we desire to do that with all of our heart, soul, mind and strength, loving God with everything inside of us and loving our neighbor as ourselves. And we want you to join with that, you know, doing that with us. Amen? Our discipleship strategy is threefold. It's connect, mentor, and send. We want to connect you to the cross. We want to mentor you with the cross, and we want to send you out with the cross. And the way that we do that in our structure here is by connecting you to the cross, we connect you to our weekly life groups. Everybody say life groups. That is a place where we, as a church, can be disciples that share life together, and we want you to find one to to belong. Last week, we had all the life group leaders come on up and present their group to you. Please check it out. In the back of your handout is all the lists of life groups that are happening for this new quarter. July, August, and September is our new schedule. That's our new quarter. Not many changes, some minute changes. Please check it out and find one to belong. And there are people in this church, elders and deacons, opening up their homes, their lives to you, to pour into you so that you can find a place to belong. Amen? And then we want to mentor you. We want to take you through our 101 book called welcome to your new life so if you're an unbeliever just getting saved and you want to live for jesus or you've been saved for a long time coming through another church we have elders and deacons in place to take you through this book one-on-one because we want to mentor you and take you through the vision of what god is giving us here in the city and then our 201 when you graduate from that one step you get to the second step and it's a sunday morning bible study everybody say bible study it's like a class. It's in-depth. We raise you up to be leaders so that you can one day be an elder or a deacon in this church so that we can win the nations for Jesus. Amen? And we want you to be a part of that. We want to send you out to go evangelize, to tell others that don't know about Christ. And then our goal at Metro Praise is 50 churches in this city with 100,000 disciples and 500 churches around the world. If you believe we can do that, say amen. Amen? By God's might and his power, by his spirit, we will do it. Amen? At this time, we're going to prepare to receive our tithes and offering. If you could turn with me to Luke 11:42, 42. We believe that this is a command in scripture that we follow with all of our heart, putting God first in our finances. A tithe is a 10% of your total income belongs to the Lord. And anything that you offer above that is between you and Jesus. That amount is between you and the Lord. And we designate our offering for building fund and missions because our heart burns for the nations. Our heart burns for the lost around the world that don't know Christ. Amen. Luke 11:42. Woe to you Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint, rue, and all other kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and the love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. The reason why I chose this passage of Scripture is because a lot of people think that tithing is not a part of the New Testament. And that is a very clear reference that Jesus never did away with it. He commended meticulous tithing, even though it was an Old Testament practice, and so it still stands true for today. Tithing was never done away with. He commended the Pharisees for doing it, although he would want them to also take care of the poor, take care of the needy, offer justice and the love of God. They weren't doing both. So I want to encourage those who have been tithing. You've been Putting God first in your finances, that is a powerful, powerful thing to do. Let's continue to do that. And those that have not been faithful to tithing and offering, giving to missions, I challenge you this morning, put God first in the forefront of your life when it comes to money. Because the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Let us allow what's in our hands to go through our hands so that we can reach the world for Jesus. Amen? Stand up to your feet with me, please, as we prepare to come forward and give. Let's recite this together. Luke 6:38. Give, and it will be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, will be poured into your lap. For with a measure you use, it will be measured to you. Let's pray. God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your spirit, O oh God. I just ask, Lord, that you would just bless this offering. We lift it up to you. May it be a sweet aroma for you, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, that every giver in this place, every tither in this place, that you would continue to meet their needs according to your glorious riches. I ask, O oh God, that you would continue to help us to be faithful, to put you first in all areas of our life. I pray that you... Uh, meet our budget needs god this month at mpi that we will continue to reach the lost in this city and around the world to the glory and honor of your name in jesus name we pray and everybody said amen come forward as you give this morning
1: Amen. How many had a good 4th of July? Can I get a woo-woo? Amen. This is where the fireworks go off though, right? Amen. Every Sunday in church, we just want to welcome you here. We're starting a new series on discipleship for the whole month of July. And you can follow along with us on daily devotions at lifechangingdevotions.com. You can put in your email and get a daily devotion. Every day, a devotion sent to you about discipleship, okay? So this whole month, every Sunday, we're preaching on what? Yeah, and then you can get devotions on what? Discipleship. Amen. So let's open up our Bibles to Matthew 4, 18 just uh, so good to see you guys here coming in the summer. So often uh, people have vacations and family events and the church can get empty, but I love seeing these chairs full. I love seeing Metro Praise grow in the summer. New people are coming. Continue to be excited in the summer for Jesus. This is when we can get out and reach people. You know, I'm already reaching people through the hobbies that I'm doing. Have you thought about that? Like, I like to fly kites. This is my new thing because there's a big open field in my backyard. Well, guess what? Jared and I were out there and we saw another guy flying kites and uh, now i know his name i'm praying for him he's selling me some kites man he's teaching me how to do it it's the most random thing you ever think i would do i know like go fly a kite yes i am but it's like i'm using it to win souls for the lord nancy watering the garden uh, of our neighbors who go on vacation watering the flowers sharing the faith with them take advantage of the weather amen Just do that for God and watch what he does in your life. So today's message is come unto Jesus. Come, or excuse me, come and follow Jesus. Come and follow Jesus. And the subtitle of our whole series for discipleship is you had me at come. And what this means is when I read this scripture, Jesus said to them, come and follow me. And they left their nets and followed him. Very similar to what Pastor Adam was reading. And the subtitle for this series on discipleship is, you had me at come. Just like you had me at hello, you know, that love story. You had me at come. When Jesus says come, something should move in our hearts to inspire us to follow him. All right, so let's look at this. Matthew chapter 4 verse 18. If you're there, can you say I'm there? As Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter, and his brother Andrew. They were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. What were they? Fishermen, right? He said, come, follow me. What was his first word to them? Come on, one more time. What was it? Come. How many letters are in the word come? Four, to see if you're paying attention this morning. Come on. The first word was? come follow me he said Jesus speaking to them and I will make you rich and I will make you good looking and I will buy you a new pair of shoes and I will give you your best life now I'll give you a house in the suburbs with a white picket fence I'll give you a bus pass that never runs dry I'll give you a body that looks like some of the bodies up in here. Come on, gentlemen. Some muscular men, not women. I'm not talking about women. But uh, I, I look at muscular men here and I say, Jesus, can you make me like that, please? Can you? But I don't get th- What did he say? Come follow me and I will send you out to fish for people. I have the wrong version here. I'm, I'm using this version. By the way, NIV kind of pulled a quickie on us. Uh, they switched their versions. There's an 84 edition, and there's a 2011. And I've been reading out of the 84, so forgive me. So I'm going to be up here. So we're going to be all together. The first word he said to them was, come, follow me, Jesus said, and I will send you out to what? Fish for f- Fish for men. So the first thing Jesus said to them was, come. But what was the purpose of them coming, to be fishers of men and look at verse 20 look at it and at once they left their nets and followed him going on from there he saw two brothers james the son of zebedee's brother john they were in a boat with their father zebedee preparing their nets jesus called them and what immediately say immediately immediately they left the boat and their father and what followed him there's two types of people in this room today disciples and not disciples you can't be one or the uh uh, anything other than those two there's not a third option you are either today a disciple of jesus christ or you are not i want to talk to both groups of you today and i'm happy you're here you can be a church member and not a disciple You can have been baptized and not be a disciple. You can believe the Bible and not be a disciple. What we're going to learn today is what makes a disciple. As a matter of fact, you can believe in Jesus and not be a disciple. The Bible says the devil even believes in Jesus, but he's not a disciple. Do you think that the devil is a disciple? Does the devil believe in Jesus? Okay, now the question that some people ask is, can I go to heaven without being a disciple? Can I be born again without being a disciple? And the truth is, yes, you can. You can be born again. The thief on the cross was right there next to Jesus. He was a criminal. He deserved to die. Everybody remember thief on the cross? There was three crosses. Two of them were thieves. But there was one particular one that when he saw Jesus dying, he he heard his friend making fun of him. and, And he said, oh, no, I don't think we should make fun of him. I've heard about him. He's a special man. He's never done anything wrong. And this is literally recorded in the Bible. He speaks to the thief while he's on the cross. He says to the other guy, he goes, we deserve to be here. But he doesn't be here. And so that one thief on the cross looks at Jesus and he says, Will you remember me when you come into your kingdom? And Jesus looked at him and said, Surely today you'll be with me in paradise. Amen. How many are happy that Jesus will take you just as you are? Amen. Just as you are, he'll accept you and forgive you. And so the truth of the matter is, you can go to heaven without being a disciple. That thief on the cross was not a disciple. He didn't spend his life being a fisher of men. He didn't do all of those things. Now, Jesus would have expected him to do that. And I do believe every Christian is expected to be a disciple. But if you're looking at what is the least I can do and go to heaven, to be theologically correct, I do have to tell you that, yes, if you put your faith and trust in Jesus and you live for him, you will go to heaven. God will be merciful to you. He will accept you. And that's the first message we do preach to everybody is be born again, accept Christ. But being a disciple is something different now. It's the next thing you do. As a matter of fact, the word disciple, though it's not mentioned here, it's mentioned in the other passages we'll get to, is matheteus in the Everybody say matheteus. And it means student or pupil. So what it means is now you study under a master. And the way I like to say it is, Jesus is my sensei. Everybody go, Jesus is my sensei. So what, you're, what you do as a disciple is you wax on, you wax off. You do what he says. Jesus becomes your what? Sensei. Look at your neighbor and say, he's my Mr. Miyagi. So those of you who are in martial arts, anybody ever here do martial arts? Come on, I did taekwondo, you know, I did these different things, you know. I had to listen to the guy when when I was in the dojo, we had to call that man master. We actually had to call him that. We had to bow, we had to pay respect. Well, Jesus is the disciple's master sensei at this time the jewish people had a lot of teachers masters uh, scholars would be another word that we would understand master to me doesn't mean a lord doesn't mean a a god creator just means somebody that's an expert in what they do for example i have a master's degree in biblical studies that means i am mastered uh, uh by god's grace I have mastered the subject of the bible i have a master's degree are you guys with me so this is what he was but at that time there was many rabbis masters gurus people like that and what separated jesus from from them these other teachers these other ways is that jesus said he was the only way to the father that his teaching to his students was the only way to heaven so he said if anybody tries to go another way other than me they are going to perish he said no one could come to the father but by me so jesus is the only one that you are to be a disciple of when it comes to salvation and following his teachings can i get an amen Amen. But now look at this. The call to Peter and Andrew was three words. Come follow me. He didn't bribe them. He didn't offer them money. He didn't say, I'll make you rich and famous. As a matter of fact, these three men, uh, four men gave their lives for Jesus. John died, was the only one of the disciples out of all of them that didn't die a martyr's death, but he himself was boiled alive in hot oil. God spared him, and then he was exiled unto the island called Patmos. It It was an island called Patmos, and that's where he saw revelation, and then he died of all age. But all of them suffered and gave up great things for Jesus Christ. But these are those first words he says, come follow me. Now I want to talk to first group of people, those who are disciples right now those that have dedicated to be a student of jesus christ how many disciples do i got in the house today amen we got some docs disciples of christ up in the house amen So those of you who are here that are disciples, I want you to go to that moment. Not when you were saved. For some of you, it might have been the same time. But I want you to be very specific in this memory. I want you to recall. I want you to remember the time that you decided you would follow Jesus and be a student. Not just get saved. Not just say, I want to go to heaven. But you decided, I'll follow him. I'll do all that he asks me to do. I'll give up things for him. I want you to remember that. Think about it. Why did you do it that day or at that time? For me, I was saved November fifth, 1995. I had drugs in my pocket. I came to Jesus just like that thief on the cross. And you heard a little bit about it, yes, uh, last week. Just a little mustard seed of faith. And I asked Jesus in, into my life, and I experienced him. I had demons cast out of my life. I was filled with the Holy Ghost. And I was saved, and I love Jesus. And I was going to go to heaven, and that was true. But I hadn't yet given up all of these things yet. I hadn't given up, really, my friends. I hadn't given up music. I was still smoking. I would still curse. I mean, I was just a bad, foul-mouthed person. I would curse. I remember one time I was hanging out with some skateboarders, and I, I fell off the skateboard, and I was whipping my skateboard on the ground, cursing like I normally did. And one of my friends said, Aren't you supposed to be a Christian? And it didn't even occur to me because honestly, it just, I was saved and I was going to heaven. It didn't occur to me. I should stop cursing now. But there was one day I was delivering pizzas and I was going to a nursing home. And as I was there delivering pizzas, I walked uh, past some of the older people in a wheelchair. And at this point in my life, even though I was still cursing and all that, I just loved to talk about Jesus. So I would have a cigarette. I might curse a little bit, but I'll talk about Jesus. I was that guy. If you ever know anybody like that, like I was that guy. So I'm coming in, man, smelling like smoke because I've been smoking in my car, driving pizzas around. And uh, I see this older woman in a wheelchair. And I just set down the pizzas on the the little uh, thing they had there. And I reached out to shake her hand. And I said, how are you doing? God bless you. Jesus loves you. And the moment I went to do that, one of the nurses that were there said, don't touch her. Don't touch her. She'll bite you. She's old and crazy. This is what one of the nurses said. And it just broke my heart, you know, it just broke my heart. And I said, I said to the nurse, you don't know where I've been in life. I can take this, you know, because I used to be a drug dealer. I used to be in fights. I, used, I was arrested eight times. I've been in juvenile jail. Man, I can, I can have enough faith to touch this old woman's hand, you know, even if she would, you know, God forbid, try to bite me. But I just grabbed a hold of her hand. And I just said, Jesus loves you. Just want to let you know that today. And she said something nice back to me. I got the money from the pizza, and I went back into my car. And as sure as God has ever spoken to me, he spoke to me that day. And he said, Joe, as you reached out your hand to touch her, I'm going to call you to reach out your hand and touch my people. He said, and just as someone tried to stop you from reaching out and touching people, people will try to stop you from reaching out and touching people. But don't listen, reach out and touch them. And at that moment, I just started weeping and crying. I received my call to follow Jesus. Literally, within a few days, I'm throwing out the cigarettes. I'm throwing out the music. I'm telling my friends, I won't hang out with you anymore. I won't even be around you because you're such a bad influence on my life. And for me, the call of discipleship, forsaking everything, led me then to New Orleans to work in the inner city. I worked in nine different housing projects like where Master P and the Hot Boys were from third ward as they know it magnolia projects Calio projects i would go there i would be in the ghetto at night and then i would go to the Penno, the penthouses the nice place of new orleans the french quarter and witness to them and i would go from one to the other the hood during the day to the party town at night and i just kept serving god and the lord then called me to plant churches he said what i want you to do is i want you to plant churches churches and I remember being in Bible college and they said write out what God told you to do and though it wasn't word for word what you heard today it was almost identical to it plant a lot of churches here build a nice large church in this city that represents discipleship and plant churches around the world so those were my heroes that I wanted to be like that's what I wanted to do now the question for you is maybe you weren't called by Jesus to be in full time ministry but those of you who have been called to be disciples what did he call you to do? what was that day like what was that moment like for some maybe it just wasn't one day maybe it was just a process you were just maybe coming to a church like this and you were being obedient to go to the 101 and do the home bible study and then eventually you began to leave things behind and leave things behind and then you look back one day and said wow i never thought i would be this far from my past Because how many know if you step out of your past, you're stepping into your future. And every step you take after that is your future. And you may think to yourself, man, it doesn't feel like I'm moving fast enough. It doesn't feel like I'm taking enough steps. But if you be faithful one step at a time, one day at a time, you'll look back like I can now almost 20 years later, and I'll say, wow, thank you, Jesus, to you be the glory. And today, everyone that's a disciple here, you need to remember that moment that Jesus called you. And what did he ask you to give up? See, these men were fishermen. These men relied upon fishing, making money off fishing. I lived in Louisiana for a long time, so I would go down to the coast and see these guys, man. Fishermen are not like cute and cuddly, okay? I don't know if you've ever seen like America's Deadliest Catch, these guys who catch those, uh, uh, those crabs, or if you've watched the tuna fishing show. If any of If you've ever watched a fishing show, has anybody ever done that? Like four or five, okay. Fishermen, now I'm not talking like bass fishermen. Bass fishermen are like the golfers of fishermen, you know what I'm saying? They have nice little hats, little cute uniforms. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking like deep sea ocean fishermen. In America, these are rugged people, man. These are people that will cuss you out. I remember one time, Alberto and I, we were hanging out in Florida, and there was a guy who used to work on boats, and he was fishing on the pier with us. And this guy called me a female dog, probably more than I've ever been called that. But that was like part of his language, you know. He would curse me out. He would say, what the blank you doing, you blank? And I would just be like, oh, okay, well, I'm trying to do my little line. Just trying to fish, you know. And, uh, they're just rugged. And, and, you know, like, uh, we were fishing one time out there in Florida and like a seagull got caught in our line. And you'd be like, oh, a seagull. No, no, no. They didn't play with that seagull. Like, whoosh, like whip the seagull up to the, the, the dock, you know, rip the seagull out, throw the seagull. You know, they were like manly men. and Everybody say men. Now, back in this day, the fishermen were just like the same way. As a matter of fact, you hear about Peter later on, even after being with Jesus for three years. He's such a tough dude, he cuts off somebody's ear. He's not playing around. And then even when he denied Christ, remember that time he denied Jesus it, when, when he was there in the courtyard? It says he cussed out a girl, and his, his profanity was so bad to prove he wasn't a Christian. So he basically went back to his old ways. That's how Peter was. So when we're talking about these men, we're not talking like fictional characters, people we can't relate to. These are real people. Fishing was their life. Fishing was how they made a living. This was something that was handed down from their father. So Andrew and Peter, their brothers, it was handed down from their father. And then James and John handed down from Zebedee, their father. They were sons of Zebedee. And it even says there that when these men left, they left their father. And the reason why uh, we believe it doesn't mention Peter and Andrew leaving their father is probably their father had already passed away at that time. But these were men trained in fishing, and it meant everything to them. Now put yourself in their shoes, all those here that have made that call of discipleship. Can you relate to leaving things behind like these men did? These men let go of those fishing nets worth in their money a year's worth of wages, a boat, you know, how, how expensive are boats today? Do you think boats aren't expensive? Try to buy a commercial fishing boat. Take many years' wages, something that was probably handed down from generation to generation. They left these things. Now, they didn't neglect them. They didn't treat them like they were worthless and just say, you know, anybody can have them. No, they probably gave them to a cousin, another family member. They made sure that they left it in order, but nonetheless, they left. Has has anybody here ever left anything for Jesus? Come on, think about what you've left. What have you walked away from? Says James and John walked away from their father. Anybody here have to walk away from a family member for Jesus? Disciples? Maybe your family was raised in a different religion, a different way of thinking and you say, I'm going to follow Jesus, and they say, no, that's crazy. We don't agree with that. That's not the way we were taught. That's not the way I raised you. Did some of you have to look at those loving, caring family members and say, I'm sorry, but i got to follow Jesus? Now, for the blank stares that I'm getting, I'm wondering for you and the rest of you here, have you left anything for Jesus? Because if you haven't, are you really his disciple? In that time, to leave everything you physically had and to follow Jesus meant you were going to sleep on a countryside roads, you know, on the side of rest areas like they had back then. You were going to be out in the stars and be on hills. You would stay in other disciples' homes as you traveled. Like one of Jesus' favorite home to stay in was Lazarus and the two Marys, Martha and Mary rather. He stayed in their home quite a bit in Bethany where my daughter is named after. So would you be willing to do that those of you who haven't done something like that you're the kind that the bible says truly aren't a disciple yet you may not have to leave your job and leave like they did but you're going to have to leave things behind those of you who are here today and aren't disciples there's a reason why you're not let's just be real can i just talk to you guys for a little bit i feel like i preach a lot here but i just want to talk to you guys there's got to be a reason why some of you are not Whenever I talk to somebody and I say, uh, why don't you join the Bible study? Why don't you start coming faithfully to church? And they give me those reasons that they don't. Well, you know, i got to take care of this, and sometimes I'm busy with this. You know what those reasons become in those people's lives? Those become their excuses, but you know what they become? Idols. They become things that people put before God. And those excuses, we think, That God understands, you know, like, you know, God wouldn't expect you to come to church every Sunday because you work throughout the week and some Sundays you're tired and you just need to sleep in. He wouldn't expect you to give up your sleep. No, Jesus wouldn't expect you to do that. And Jesus wouldn't expect you to give up your tithe because the economy and and times are so tight and he he wants you to keep it. He wouldn't expect you to do that. And, And he wouldn't expect you to witness like how we went to the Puerto Rican Fest or join an outreach team. No, he wouldn't expect you to do that because he knows you're shy. He knows, you know, you don't really like to talk to people. Do you think that's what Jesus really thinks? Or do you think that when people make those excuses that they're actually setting up idols and another Jesus becomes their Jesus, when they say things like Jesus understands, Jesus wouldn't expect me to do that. The question I want to ask them is, what Jesus are you talking about? If we're talking about the Jesus of the Bible, he expected these people literally to leave everything they had. And he expects you to leave things behind. Anything now that gets in your way, you're to leave behind for Jesus. Now ask yourself this question, though, and this is once again for those who have not yet been a disciple of Christ. What are you waiting for? what is it going to take for you to be a fully devoted student to jesus christ are you coming here and being a part of a religion just because you don't want to go to hell you you just want to have your ticket to heaven like willy wonka's factory i got my golden ticket i got it i got it i'm going to heaven is that you is that you and your little golden ticket You just want to go up to heaven and eat all the little candy and num-nums you can. And you're just going to do your own thing. And every now and then you'll get convicted and ask God to forgive you. But other than that, don't ask you to do anything. Because you're just here for the ride. What is it going to take? When are you going to say, I want to be like one of them? When are you going to say, this is my time, this is what I'm going to do? Please put up our vision, please. When you, when you look at our church, and we say this every week, connect, mentor, send. I want you to understand something. We know these words are not ins- inscribed in heaven. There's a hundred different ways a person could say this. We say connect, mentor, send. You could go, everybody go like this, reach up, reach in, reach out. Do it again, reach out. Reach in, reach out. One more time, come on, reach up. Reach in, reach out. Boom! You could say it like that. You could say, reach one, to teach one, to reach one. It doesn't matter how we say it. The point is, we do it discipleship. We become students under our master Jesus Christ. We leave things behind. We connect to him. We become a part of his program. We do what he does. Then we get mentored. We get trained up. We get out the Bible, the pen and paper, the notepad. We study to show ourselves approved. And then we go out and change the world. And it's not just for pastors. It's for everybody. And I've got so many scriptures to show you on this, but I would rather you catch it today. I'd rather it be caught than just taught. If I just talk about one scripture and somebody walks out of here and goes, man, I get it, then that's enough for me today because I want y'all to get it. The heartbeat of discipleship is to be with Jesus. And when we look at both groups in here today, the ones that are disciples, and the ones that are not disciples, what separates them? And, and, and please put the scripture up, sir. Again, M- Matthew 4, 18. What separates them is, is one better uh, better uh, a Bible student than the other? So is the disciple just a really smart Bible student? And they passed a test. And the one who is not a disciple can't do their memory verses? Is the difference between the disciple and the non-disciple, the disciple is more outgoing? Or maybe we should say the disciple is kind of like the Green Beret you know, it's like Jesus wants everybody in the army. You know, no offense to those who served our country in the army, but just hear my example. It's like, it's like Jesus wants everybody in the army, but not everybody's going to be an army ranger. Not everybody's going to be a Green Beret. Not everybody can be in the Marines, right? Come on, the proud, the few, the chosen, right? Is that how discipleship is? Like everybody should be a Christian, but not everybody can be a disciple. As a matter of fact, where does that word Christian even come from? Does anybody even know? The word Christian, Christ-like, Christ and the word I-A-N, the, the, the suffix coming at the end, just simply means Christ-like. Do you know where that word came from? It came in the book of Acts from pagans, non Followers of Christ were looking at the disciples live so much like Christ that they said these are little Christ or Christ like not in divinity they're little Christ but in their attributes they are like Jesus juniors running around. So pagans actually gave us that name. But how do we use that name Christian now? Do we mean when we say I am a Christian or what are we meaning by that I'm really like Jesus? And when we call somebody else a Christian, are we saying about them, they're just like Jesus? So when we talk about our president, he says, I'm a Christian. Do I mean by that, he's just like Jesus? When people ask you on your job, you know, for a census or whenever, you know, people ask you your religion, you know, Jewish, Buddhist, Hindu, Christian. When you're checking that off, do you mean by checking that off, I'm just like Jesus? No, what that word has come to mean in our culture is I ascribe beliefs to a Christian system. I am a Christian by my beliefs. We don't think of it, I'm a Christian by my actions. You see, discipleship is doing. It is doing. Christianity in the sense of believing in Christ is being, but discipleship is doing. You can't just say, I'm a disciple and not do anything. The actions of a disciple prove that they're a disciple. You show it by your deeds. And so when you look here, the first time they called them, what is the difference between those who are disciples and those who are not disciples? Look at the passage. Tell me what you think the difference is. Who's a a Bible student here? Who's somebody who can find it? Shout it out when you have it. What is the secret of being a disciple found in this passage? That's another way of asking it. At once, they did what? They followed him. They left their nets. That's the difference. That's the only difference. Do we as disciples not make mistakes? We do. But what are we doing? We're following Jesus. Are we as disciples having perfect families, perfect lives? Do we always live it out perfectly? No, so that's not the difference. Do we always study our Bible? Do we always do these certain set of criteria that makes us better than everybody else? No. What is the difference? What is the deciding factor between being a disciple and not being a disciple is whether or not you're willing to follow Jesus. And so what does that mean? Well, when these men started following Jesus, they went where he went. They did what he did. Now for us today, what does that mean? Good question. Let's look at Luke chapter 14, verse 25. I want to give you some attributes of a disciple. This whole month, I want you to bring your friends because this is so important. We should all be disciples of Jesus Christ. Find somebody you know that maybe is a lukewarm Christian or is uh, dry in their faith and maybe their fire is going out. Bring them here to be encouraged again. Or find somebody that's not being discipled and bring them here. We should do this not only for ourselves but for our community. Look at chapter 14, verse 25 here. Look at this description. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. Did Jesus know how to get crowds? He did, right? So large crowds in and of themselves isn't a problem. I thank God for this church. But of course, I would like to have a bigger church. I would like to have a church the size of a stadium, right? 100,000. But would I want just crowds to come without them changing? Look at what Jesus does. Large crowds are traveling with Jesus. Why? Because they're seeing miracles. He's feeding the 5,000. Man, if you're getting healed and you're getting food, you're going to follow that person, right? Man, if I can get all I can eat, and if I can get healed from my cold, and my child can get healed, I am following that person. But look at what Jesus says to them. Verse 26, if anyone comes to me, what is the word there? If anyone comes to me and does not, Uh uh-oh, Jesus talked about hate. Did you know that? If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother, his wife and children, his brother and sisters, yes, even his own life, he cannot be my Ooh, baby. We got some understanding to come off this scripture, don't we? Because that that might confuse somebody. Let's just be honest. If you've never read that before and you're new here today, I bet you you're confused right now. Look at what it says again. Jesus said, if you do not hate your father and mother, wife and children, brother and sister, that might be easy for some people, but hello, wife and children, you don't hate even your own life. You cannot be my what? Disciple. Now, for some of you, this is review, but I need to say it for everybody. See, Jesus understood that not everybody could do the same thing. If everybody left their fishing boats, if everybody left their actual job, then nothing would get done. The disciples were chosen to be the first ministers of the church. They were also called apostles. We understand that. I understand there's a difference between what I do and what you do. There is. Not in our character, not in our conduct, but in what we'll do from 9 to 5. I can give up my dreams of being a lawyer and follow Jesus. I can give up my dreams of being an airplane pilot and follow Jesus. That's what he asked me to do. But understand this. Jesus has something for you to do as well, so that we both come on uh, equal ground. Though the full-time minister may give up their occupation, all disciples are going to give up their idolatry to their life, their idolatry to their family, friends, and career. If you put your career before God, it becomes an idol. An idol and he's saying, hate it. If you put your family before God, if you think, and and I want to just tell you this story about family, because if you think God is going to accept our family as an excuse, you are very dearly mistaken, and this scripture explains it very clearly. He won't, but I want to give it to you in a story form, because I think some of you, it would help. C.S. Lewis told this story in The Great Divorce. So imagine Judgment Day has happened. People are in heaven, and people are in hell. Now, the people from hell can hear from their loved ones one last plea to go to heaven. It's a fictional story. I'm going to say it again. People are in heaven. People are in hell. But the people in hell get to hear one last plea from their loved one in heaven to decide if they want to leave hell. All they have to do is do what their loved one says. It's going to be a word of Christ. It's, it's going to come from God, but they have to listen to their loved one. C.S. Lewis tells the story just to get you in the understanding of what this is meaning, and I think it will help us today, of a mother and daughter. The daughter loved Jesus. She's in heaven. The the daughter loved Jesus, rather. She's in heaven. The mother, she didn't accept Christ. She's in hell. The daughter comes to her in what is now in the story like a bus stop in a middle place where they can meet. And the daughter begins to tell her mother, Mother, you need to come with me into heaven. And the mother begins to say to her, oh, I've been waiting for you. I've been in so much torment. I want to be with you because you are everything to me, and I miss taking care of you. And the daughter says back to her, no, no, no. You you can't come to heaven to take care of me. You can only come to heaven if you worship Jesus. And then the woman begins to get mad, and she goes, no, I don't like Jesus. Jesus took you from me. Jesus took you out of my life and the daughter said what do you mean well I wanted to have tea with you these are English people I wanted to have tea with you on Sunday and go shopping and I wanted to raise the grandchildren together but you always went to church you always put Jesus I don't want to go there for Jesus and her heart begins to manifest. And she says, but I'll go to take care of you. I'll go to be your mother. And then the story goes on. You know, it's dramatic. C.S. Lewis, he's a great writer. He's the one who wrote the books, Lion, Witch, and the Wardrobe if you've ever seen those movies. His friend and author in fiction was J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote The Lord of the Rings. This is a fictional story like that. And so now, the, the woman, she's mad at Jesus because Jesus took her daughter away from her in life. And the daughter now pleads with her. And the daughter says, no, I don't need you to take care of me. As a matter of fact, we need no mothers. We need no mothers in heaven. No mothers are needed. God is our father and creator. We have all we need. Only those who come can admit he is their everything. And then she says, no, he's not my everything. My everything was taking care of you and the family and always being there when you needed me and I took care of you and so for me that would be hell I would rather go back to where I came from do you understand the thought that C.S. Lewis there is trying to get us to understand is that heaven is really for those who see Christ as everything But if you're on this earth and you're not convinced he's everything and you think things like church take away from your dreams and things like donating take away from your money that you work so hard for this message is for you. He's saying the only way you can come is if you love less hate in comparison all things that you define yourself as and be my disciple your number one category of identity has to be I follow Christ. Before I'm a husband, I follow Christ. Before I'm a father, I follow Christ. Before I am a son, I follow Christ. Before I'm this or that, I follow Christ. Woo, come on somebody. And he's worth it. Because if he is who he said he is, he's worth it. Come and follow me. So large crowds are there. And now he says to these large crowds, hey guys, hey, if you want to really come with me, you've got to hate everything in comparison. And he says in verse 27, and anyone who does not carry his own cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Keep going. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Will he not sit down and estimate the cost? Somebody say the cost. Thank you to see if he has enough money to complete it. For if he lays the foundation and is not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule him, saying, this fellow began to build and was not able to finish. Or suppose a king went off to make a war against another king. Would he not first sit down and consider if he's able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming with 20,000? If he's not able, he'll send out a delegation while the others still a far way off and will ask for terms of peace. Look at this. In the same way, any of you who does not give up what? Who does not give up what? Everything cannot be my, thank you. Oh, uh, Jesus, I appreciate, you know, Peter leaving his stuff behind, you know. But I, you know, of course, I can't do that, Jesus. You know, I work and all that. Jesus goes, I understand, but just give up everything in your heart right here. He understands. He understands you can't stop working. Some of you, you just can't do it. We get that. But what he's saying is, is it everything to you or am I everything to you? There will be few that give up their careers. But for those who say, yeah, I'm going to keep my career. I'm not going to live on the streets and become homeless for Jesus. Can you in your heart say, I give up everything? So now that does mean when you talk about your job, Jesus picks your job. So whose job is it? For the disciple, whose job is it? If you are a disciple and you work a job, whose job is it? That's why it says, do all things as unto the Lord. If you have a family and you're a disciple, whose family is it? Jesus. If you're a disciple and you have money in the bank, whose money is it? When you are a disciple, you're admitting, really, what's true already. What a disciple does is admits what's true already. Do you get to take everything with you when you die? Have you ever seen a U-Haul following the the hearse? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Boop back it up and here comes his lazy boy and here comes his 65 inch tv here's a sad story i know we're laughing but i want to tell you a sad story i want to mention his name but uh pastor Berto, one of his dear friends somebody I used to visit this church went out drinking during the fourth of july holiday season got drunk passed out began to puke in his sleep was passed out not able to get the puke out of his lungs and died and suffocated from his own puke. Pray for Pastor Berto as he ministers to this family this week. Burying a young man who died because he was a drunkard. My sister died drinking and driving. You might say, well, I'm not as extreme as that. Yeah, but you know what? If Jesus is not your everything, what is your everything will cost you everything. You will pay a price for it you see he says pay a price for discipleship and that price is worth it that price to follow jesus christ is worth it but if you say to yourself i don't want to pay that price you risk you losing your soul and everything that you have and then he gives two examples he says you know think about this if a man was to build a tower Would he not first think if he has enough supplies to finish it? When Donald Trump said, I'm going to build Trump Tower, did he say to himself, do I have enough materials before he built the foundation? If he was smart, he did. And the Bible says, hey, those of you here who are not disciples and you're going to be obedient to Christ and do it, before you do, you better take a serious look at your life. Are you willing to do it? Another example that he gives is a man going to war. Do you think if you were a general in charge of 10,000 soldiers going to war, you would really assess the enemy you were about ready to fight? Don't you think you would make sure before you marched innocent people into harm's way that you would want to make sure you could win that battle? If not, wouldn't you want to make peace? That's the example he gives. If you are going to take on the devil, if you're going to war in this world against the things of Satan, you should count the cost. And let me just say this. See, some of you, when you came to Christianity, you got it confused. Some preacher, some book, some TV show twisted it on you. So you thought coming to Christianity, life was going to become easier, less complicated, less stressful. But many of you found that more trials followed your Christianity. More attacks followed your Christianity. You want to know why? Because you went from being on the devil's side to now warring against him. And that's why when many backsliders stop going to church and they'll talk to you and say, oh, yeah, I'm doing okay, I'm doing okay, it's because the devil now says they're on my team. Make it easy on them, demons. Give them back that peace, at job. Stop having everything go wrong in their life. You see, sinners just don't have everything go wrong in their life. Some sinners have a false sense of peace. And when you come to Christ, you're engaged in a battle, and you think the battle is what is wrong and the peace is what is right because you think your feelings is how you should dictate your life. Christ didn't say dictate your life by your feelings, but by the Word of God. So I would rather be in a fight, knowing I'm in a fight, on my knees, having to go through trials and tests, fighting against the stream, fighting against the devil, fighting against what is normal in this culture than to be going with everyone else, just blah, blah, eat, drinking, and being merry. Now, I do believe the Christian life is a good life. I do believe in being a disciple is a good life. But it will be uphill. It will be a battle. You will have to give things up. Now, at this point, some of you are probably thinking, well, you know, maybe I just don't want to be a disciple. I, mean, I don't know, but let's turn look at the Bible when a whole bunch of people quit too. You ain't alone. Quitters are in the Bible. We still love you, but how many people here don't want to quit? Now, some might be also thinking, Pastor, I don't know if they can do some of these things and go to heaven. You know, the line between discipleship and being born again is very, is very thin. And the Bible says even in Revelation chapter 3 that some people think that they can do less and go to heaven, but actually they become lukewarm. And Jesus says, I'll puke you out of my mouth. So if you're willingly knowing the goods you ought to do and you're not doing it and you think you're going to somehow get to heaven, I would say be very, very cautious, my friend, because the Bible warns that kind of thinking, this kind of I'll just try to get away with it. But look at this, John chapter 6, 60. John 6, verse 60. If you're there, can you say I'm there? Okay, nobody is there. I'm going to wait for you there. John chapter 6, verse 60. Okay. I know it's hot up in here, man. We're trying to get this thing fixed, but uh, just bear with us, please. I only preach another hour, okay? Get you out by one. Call it an early day. Amen. Just kidding, half kid. Okay, look at verse 60. On hearing it. And this is a whole rebuke he's giving these guys because they didn't really want to follow him. And this is kind of stuff we've been talking about. On hearing it, many of his, what? Said this is a, and what else did they say? Who can? Verse 61, aware that his disciples were what? Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Like, you upset? How many know Jesus being a little sassy right now? Sassy Jesus. He got a little Italian in him, a little porter. he got a little something in him right now. He's like, "This offends you?" He's like, "What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before?" Exclamation mark. He's trying to get them to understand. He's not playing with them. This is not like the upgrade of life. Well, do you want cloth or leather in that car? You know, Well, do you want the stereo system or just, uh, and the GPS or just the stereo? He's telling them, this is serious. I'm coming back one day with my angels. You think you're intimidated and having some problems now? Wait till you see me come with all the angels of heaven and judge every one of you by your works. And yes, some will just be saved by the skin of their teeth, their Bible says, but on that day, they will be shamed and embarrassed. Blood will be on their hands symbolically as they see their lost loved ones go to hell because they did nothing. And others will be sent to hell because they walk that line. And as they're being sent to hell, they will be screaming out, Lord, Lord, didn't I know you? Didn't I do some of this stuff? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. So there's going to be some serious stuff that day. So he's telling them, what? Does this offend you? What if you see the Son of Man ascend to where he was? But here's the good news. The Spirit gives life. What gives life? And the flesh counts for Come on, just touch yourself right now and say, this counts for nothing. You see, if all of the things you're thinking in your mind are keeping you from being a disciple have to do with your flesh, your feelings, your addictions, your problems, what you go through in life, he's telling you, I ain't doing this by your flesh. I'm doing it by the Spirit. Your flesh counts for nothing. Your flesh can't chug-a-chug-a-choo-choo up this train of discipleship. That's why you carry a cross, because the first thing you do, and we're going to get to it, is you deny yourself. Take up your cross and follow Jesus. The first part of being a disciple is denying yourself, trusting Jesus. The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are what? Spirit and they are life. Yet there are some of you here that don't believe. For Jesus had known from the beginning which one of them did not believe and would betray Him. He knew Judas would not believe. So there was some fakers and phonies, but look what he went on to say. This is why I told you no one can come unless the Father enables him. Unless the Father gives you the power to do this, you can't do it. Now, you're getting excited, are you not? But look at this, John 666. They say in the Bible, 666, Antichrist, number of the flesh. That's what they say. I don't get too much into numerology. But it just happens to be John chapter 6, verse 66. Y'all are getting excited because we have disciples in here. But it says, from this time, many of his what? Turned back and no longer what? Followed him. Why? Because they chose the flesh. They said, well, my dad didn't teach me this way. My mom didn't teach me this way. I have these problems in my flesh. I feel like this. I go through this. Jesus doesn't understand. But there was another group just like you. This was a perfect illustration. Just like you. Amen. Amen. Why? Because you're hearing the Spirit in all of that. You're hearing what God is doing in all of that. You're hearing there's a Father wanting to enable you. You're hearing that there's words giving you life. That there's a Spirit that greater is He that's in you than he that's in the world. You're more than a conqueror. You see, today, the difference is who wants to trust Jesus? Who wants to follow Him? Because if you don't, what you're doing is putting your flesh as the idol of your life. You're making your flesh, which is death and counts for nothing anyway. You're putting that as the Lord of your life, your master, your boss. Some people call us fools for Christ. My question is, okay, that's true, but whose fool are you? You what, your cantaloupe-sized brain is going to outwit God? You think this right here is going to outwit God? You can't outwit him. You won't stand on judgment day and beat him in chess and say, Aha, well, there there was a catch-22 in here somewhere, Jesus. Aha, I I figured it out. I I figured out the loophole. You won't stand in the court of God and make him look like Judge Judy. It won't be a mockery. It won't be a mock court. He says he's coming down with angels. Judgment happens. You'll be laid bare. Your life will be brought before you. These excuses that you tell me—let me just say this: uh, these excuses you tell us—we don't know if they're true or not. But God does. When we say to some of you, "Please put up the vision, sir," you know, join the 101, and you say, "Well, I'm so busy, and I can—I can't do this, and I can't do this." You know, I wish sometimes I had a hidden video camera to see what you're really doing. Oh, I got a text from my pastor. I'm sick. Shh, be quiet, Pastor. I can't make the Bible study tonight. I wish I had a hidden camera to see what you all are doing. Young people playing the video game. You know, old older people. You know, just going out with the you know walk with their wife. You know, this. Oh no, mute, Pastor uh, Berto. We don't need to go to the life group tonight. We're just on a date night. I don't know your excuses. I really don't. But there's a show that blew my mind about how people will lie. Anybody ever watch How to Catch a Predator? This was popular like in early 2000, right? Uh, basically, Dateline News, a news program, set up online uh, these people that would draw in pedophiles, it, and so they would go to chat rooms, and a person would pretend to be a minor, minor girl, boy, something that's under 18, usually around 13 or 14, and they would talk on this chat line. They would wait till somebody would you know take the bait because they wanted to find these predators. And so they would then talk to them and these predators would start being disgusting, you know. You know, let's do this, let's do this, you know. And, and then the, uh, the people setting them up wanted to make sure they had the right evidence so that they would have it all there so they would be arrested, so they would tell the person to write back, but I'm only 13. And then they get the response from the predator and the predator would say, oh, but you got so much to learn. I'm going to teach you. Perversion. And then to set it up even more, just so they didn't have a chat. They would tell the person, well, come meet me here. My parents are out of town. If you've seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. They put the cameras all around the house. The police are sitting in the van ready to arrest them. But they would set them up first just so they had all the evidence. This was a sting done by the police in conjunction you know, with the news program. They would say... We'll bring some sex toys. You know, I'm young and I, I want to experiment. And so the adult perverted pedophile would come with sex toys by name that they agreed upon with the minor. It would be in the car. And then the child actor who's really an adult but looks like a child would be in the door and say, come on in when they would come. And then Chris Hansen from Dateline News would come out and bust them, Right? Oh, but man, if you want to see the sinful nature of men, I say, do two things. Watch that show or go to Mardi Gras. You will see the sinfulness of men. Oh, no, 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 no. It's not what you think. No, that's not, no, no, no. I'm here here to help her. That's what they would say. Oh, I'm here to help her. And then then he would pull out the, the letters and say, no, you're going to help her do this dirty thing, this explicit thing. And you would see men lie through their teeth until the point where they would say, I'm just ready to go. I'm just ready to go. And that shame would set in on each one of them at a different point. You could see the shame where they understood this had been documented, this had been documented, you're at the house. How did you know to be? All of it's documented, and they realize at that moment, the jig is up. It's done. That's what it's going to be like on Judgment Day. You won't outwit him. You won't outthink God. These things you say now, God, you know, I couldn't, God. God, you know, come on, God, you know. He's going to hold it right to you and say, No, I, I see right here you did this. I see right here you did this. You spent your money on this. You took your children to karate. You took your family on vacation. You did all of this and you put me last. You didn't love me more than these things. You loved these things more than me. You didn't count your cost. You took me lightly. And you gave up because your feelings got hurt. My flesh, or your flesh, got weak. You quit. But my spirit would have given you power. I want you to think about this as we get ready to close today. John chapter 21, verse 15. Peter, turn there with me, please. John 21, verse 15. At the end of Peter's life, he had made mistakes and he had betrayed Jesus. Can you think of anything worse than that? Betraying Jesus. Betraying Jesus. But how many backsliders do I have here today at one time in your life you knew about Jesus, but then you betrayed him? Can I see a hand raised? Don't be ashamed. Come on, I'm raising mine. Both hands, right? So we can relate to Peter. You know what I love about Jesus? Is that Jesus sees discipleship as a lifetime affair, not a one-time decision. I'm going to say it again. Jesus sees discipleship as a lifetime journey, not just a one-time decision. So this is the encouragement I want to leave you here with today. The Spirit will do it in you if you allow Him, but you have to decide to follow Him. But some of you may say, Pastor, I have tried to follow Him, but I've gotten weak at different times, and I've quit on Him, and I've turned my back on Him, and I've walked away. But I want to tell you today, it's still not over. If you have breath in your lungs today, if you're alive with a beating heart, Jesus tells you, come on and follow me. He says it again. Forsake your sin and follow me. He says it to all of us. Look at John chapter 21 verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, you remember he betrayed him three times, right? Look at what he says. Simon son of Jonah, do you truly love me more than these? He said, yes, uh, i got to read it up here. He says, uh, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said what? Feed my, feed my lambs. How many times did Peter betray Jesus? One time he asked him, do you love me? He says, yes, I do. He says, feed my lambs. Again, second time, he said, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He answered, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, what? Take care of my sheep. And then the third time, how many times did Jesus, uh, how many times did Peter betray Jesus? How many times did Jesus ask Peter if he loved him? Why? Because he's restoring every time he betrayed him. Every time Peter betrayed Jesus, Jesus said, I will restore you. Jesus tells a story about us forgiving each other and says, if your brother sins against you 70 times seven in one day, Forgive him if he truly means it. If that's the way he told us to forgive each other, how much more do you think he who loves us with unconditional love would forgive us? The difference, once again, isn't even sin. The disciple to the non-disciple, it's not even sin. Why? Because sin in the disciple's life is restored, forgiven. Have I sinned yet after being a disciple? Yes. How many know I have sinned? But I've been restored every time I sin. Third time, he says to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him a third time because he didn't understand why. He said, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus said, feed my sheep. Jesus wanted him to understand That every time he betrayed him, he would restore him. And I want to ask a question to everybody here. If you've ever failed Jesus, do you want to be restored? Don't quit. Come to Jesus. Because what was the difference between Peter and Judas? Didn't Judas betray him too? How many times did Judas betray him? Technically what? One time. Peter did three times. But why did Peter make it? Because it wasn't sin now. If we're just looking at straight up betrayal, how many times did you want to be betrayed? One time or three times, right? If we're just looking at sin as what it is, black or white, Peter actually betrayed him more. But why did Peter make it? Because he didn't turn his back on Jesus when he had a chance to make it right. Judas hung himself and said, I'm done trying to make it right. Let me encourage everyone now today as we close out. Band, would you come to stay with Jesus? Be a disciple. Do it because you want to. Do it because he calls you to. Do it because it's worth it. And when it's hard and you feel like quitting, get back up and go again and if you're here today and you've even betrayed him you've even been a backslider what we mean by backslider is you you haven't prayed like you used to you've been sinning in ways that you uh, you stopped and you started again in those ways today Jesus says he will restore you but you have to be willing to come discipleship you had me out come Now go back to the story that I told and the one you thought about today. Those of you who were disciples, do you remember when Jesus called you? How have you been doing with your walk with God? If you haven't been right with Him, I want you in the next few moments, we're not going to stand. We're just going to stay seated and pray. I want you to hear His voice call you again. If you need refreshment, if you need forgiveness I want you to hear his voice today let's just close our eyes right now come on Jesus I want to start first of all with disciples that aren't where they're supposed to be you you were at once a disciple you were at once radical but you just haven't been there you haven't been where you're supposed to be would you say this simple prayer with me Jesus would you bid me to come because I'll come Jesus, bid us to come. Bid us to come and follow you. Oh Lord, I want to come, God. I want to leave everything behind that takes me away from you. Those who have been serving God faithfully as disciples, what are your biggest struggles? What are the things that you struggle with the most? Surrender them to God one more time. Come on, just Lord, I'm coming. And I surrender my sexuality. I surrender my finances. I surrender my dreams. I surrender what my family thinks. I surrender to you, my master. I surrender. now lastly for those of you here as altar workers come with head bowed and eyes closed if you're here today and you haven't been a disciple of Christ I want to ask you first to be born again to repent of your sins and then to let Jesus call you to follow him so let's start with being born again we're all going to pray this prayer together and those of you who need to pray it for the first time do so from a heart of true repentance. Mean what you say. But we're all going to say it with you. Let's pray this prayer saints. Say this with me. Heavenly Father I come to you in the name of Jesus because I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and rose again on the third day. I ask you Father in Jesus name to forgive me of all my sins and to make me new I believe I am born again right now come on just say amen and believe it. if that was you I want you if you meant it today for the first time I want you to start to thank him but stay seated because I want to do something special in just a moment but stay seated if you meant it and just say thank you Lord come on those who have already been born again you can thank him But this is what I'm going to ask us to do Before we leave out of here These altar workers are going to pray I'm going to ask that they, we would put down uh, Just the keyboard right now And let's put down the drums I want everybody to look up at me before we go I want to give you a chance To do something like what they did 2,000 years ago if you want to give up everything for Jesus we can't do it one at a time but I just want you to do it however you want to do it I want you to come when I when I ask you to just a moment to stand from your feet and to shout out to God I am your disciple I wish we could do it one at a time but we'll be here till 3 in the afternoon but I want you to do it and I want you to mean it. And then those of you who need prayer come up and we will pray for you. And we'll dismiss in just a moment, but I want us to sing a song together before we dismiss. But I want everybody here that's seated to make that commitment fresh and anew. So in just a few moments... I'm gonna pray again and then I'm gonna say, God, let their commitment to come to you, let it last a lifetime. And then after I pray that, you just one at a time, five at a time. I don't even care. I just want you to pop up and say, Jesus, I'm your disciple. I'm gonna follow you. And you just tell him, you tell them what it means to you. You tell them today that you're gonna follow. Him. Ask him for his strength, ask him for his help, do whatever you gotta do. But don't leave out of here until you've made a commitment to stand for Christ to follow Jesus to forsake everything to do whatever it takes in your life because you know what it means to forsake those excuses and get away from your path whatever it means when you stand up that's what you got to give to God Father right now I pray for disciples to raise up in this house today it's not just about Bible studies it's not just about one sinning and the other not it's the difference of following you and not following you It's just following you today. That's what separates us from the world, Lord. And I pray in this room, God, just like those first fishermen, God, as they were, they came, God. And they forsook everything for you. I pray in this church, Lord, that they will do the same. That they will live a life for you, God. That all of us will be your students. You will be our master. Let it be so, let it be so in Jesus' name, amen. just a few more moments for those of you who may be waiting come on give it to God today He calls sinners imperfect people even those who have made mistakes and betrayed them oh God we want you we want you now before you go would you sing this song with us band lead us in an anthem today of praise to our God We'll dismiss in just a moment. But would you stay and sing this song with us today? No turning Woo!
3: back. Yes, God. I've made up my mind. I'm giving all
1: my life. And if you need prayer, just come as they're singing right now. If that's you and you just need extra prayer, let the altar workers pray for you. Come on and get prayer. The rest of us, sing it out we He's worth it. He's worth it. His, word.
4: His love makes it worth it all.
1: what makes it worth it all. God, I pray as we dismiss today that everyone will be a disciple, Lord, that focuses on your love. God, help us even when we stumble and fall to come to you to lift us back up. Restore us, God. Use us for your glory. In your precious name we pray in Jesus' name. Can everybody say amen and bless the Lord today? Amen. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. But we're just going to keep worshiping. And if you need prayer, just come on up. But if you have to go, you can go. Just tell somebody today, I'm a disciple. Oh, I'm a disciple. I belong to Jesus. I belong to Jesus. Come on, say that. I'm a disciple.
4: Oh, and I belong to Jesus.